0: Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week, we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda, phoning it in for both of us for this post-holiday week. Now, just a little peek behind the scenes here at Spirits. We record the intros to our episodes about a week in advance. That way everybody can, you know, take time off if they need to and still get the episode out on time. So we are hello, hi from the past recording this episode, and we will catch you up on all of our new patrons and thank our producer-level patrons and all of that when we return next week. But in the meantime, this episode drops during Hanukkah. So first of all, happy Hanukkah to everybody who celebrates out there. And secondly, I have a very timely recommendation for you, which is the Twitter feed of Blair Braverman, who you may know as being one of the just like purest, sweetest Twitter feeds on the internet of her adorable dogs that she has with her husband, Quince Mountain. They are Jewish. They are sled dog razors and mushers, and they run races with their dogs. And they just co-wrote a book that is absolutely gorgeous called Dogs on the Trail. And you can order that now. You get a signed copy. Some of them come with postcards. It's absolutely beautiful. And trust me, there's years worth of content for you to go back and enjoy. Tag yourself. I think my favorite dog is Flame. But that recommendation and more are in our episode description to uh, both celebrate Hanukkah with some excellent Jewish dog content. And uh, of course, to buy that wonderful book for you, a dog, a gift, a loved one, uh, you know, anybody. They'll all enjoy it. There is also more to enjoy from Multitude. We have a new member show. That's right sounding the alarm Eric please play some kind of uh, just some kind of little little sprinkle little twinkle a little f- uh, firework here woohoo Whatever you got at hand, because we have a new member show. This does not happen every day. In fact, it happens a couple times a year, usually, if that. And this year, today, 2021, I'm so excited. We have Queer Movie Podcast, Joining the Collective. This is a podcast hosted by Rowan Ellis, who you may know from YouTube, and Jazza John, also of YouTube fame. And they are basically researching and rating their way through the queer film canon, one genre at a time. That's everything from rom-coms to slashers to arthouse cinema to black and white classics. It's a celebration of all things LGBTQ plus on the silver screen. It is so exciting for us to have them as part of the collective. And trust me, if you like spirits, you're going to love Queer Movie Podcast. Their first episode of the new iteration of the show came out last week on U.S. Thanksgiving. And they're going to be coming out every two weeks from here on in every other Thursday. So search in your podcast player for Queer Movie Podcast and subscribe today. All right, folks. That's all for us. We hope you are having a a good week, a good Wednesday, and we will see you very soon. But until then, enjoy Spirits Podcast episode two hundred and sixty, Your Urban Legends number fifty-seven.
1: I have just to just to get us off eating well right at the start of this episode, a lovely amuse bouche that is also. A follow-up email so like everything we could possibly want so are you all ready
2: i'm ready for it
0: my favorite way to start a meal with an amuse bouche (laughs) i just like saying amuse bouche
2: amuse bouche
0: it amuses the bouche even as you say it
1: (laughs) this comes to us from moya a different one than our our lovely advice giving moya uh spelled differently and it's just titled pickle man oh Yes, yes, this will harken back to urban legends 54 from a few weeks or months ago, which we discussed the pickle man. Uh, So I'll just I'll just jump right into it. I love the podcast and hearing y'all talk about creepy and cool stories and learning so much about mythology from around the world. I am writing because I just listened to urban legends episode 54 with the pickle man, which was read by Amanda and I also have a pickle man story. Now pickle man I have the I have the transcript up on spiritspodcast.com. And it's it's pretty much a fake legend that Mm -hmm. someone's grandmother came up with Mm -hmm. uh, and the pickle man just got up to all things and that that is pretty much the pickle man go listen to that episode. If you want more details. I don't remember much because this happened when I was five years old, maybe younger. My grandma loves to remind me of the time I was visiting my grandparents house and started talking in my sleep. So I guess that I was also a creepy kid. Of course. In the dead of night, I started shouting, the pickle is going to get me. The pickle is going to get me. I have no idea why I was so concerned about a pickle coming to get me. But the Urban Legends episode reminded me of this incident, and I thought you all might enjoy it as well.
2: I love that not only did someone's fake folklore basically emerge into your brain as a five year old, I just can't comprehend why it's pickles. What's wrong with the pickles? Why do these little kids don't like pickles? Why?
1: Truly no idea. I love that it is just like just yelling a pickle's gonna get you. Like, what could be funnier to a grandparent than hearing their grandchild yelling <laughs> that a pickle's gonna get them?
2: I feel like it's funny, but at the same time, like how distressed is that child? Yeah. As they're shouting it out. Like if it's like kind of funny, like, no, the
0: pickle man, the pickle. Or if it's like, the pickle man.
2: It's a difference. Big
0: difference. I mean, there are some anthropomorphic pickle marketing creations, right? Like Mr. Peanut, but... Pickles. Pickle. Yeah. Um, and pickles are kind of distressingly like worm or snake shaped. If you think about it, like I could see a kid sort of conflating those two things, like if they're scared of snakes and it might kind of represent something in their brains. I don't know, man. I actually have, an, I, I know that I took over all of last month's urban legend, but I have something that does have to do with pickling. It is also a follow up and it's also to do with a listener job. So I wonder if I could step in here and, and cut into this dance and perhaps start us off with SEMA from Emma titled Cellar Filled with Animals and Jars. Ooh. Ooh, fun. Love it. I just finished listening to the spookiest story you ever told and I thought it was so good. It made me want to tell you about my own work stories. Not nearly as spooky, but I think it's right up your alley.
1: I just want to say excellent branding by us designating that as the spookiest story ever told. So now when people reference it, it's like, oh, that's not an opinion. We now have it set in stone. This one is the actual spookiest.
2: And now it's up to our listeners to try to beat it. Try to that's usurp true. the throne.
0: Quite true. As a little bit of background, I'm working part-time at the local Natural History Museum while doing my master's in biology. That's awesome.
2: Awesome. Honestly, the dream. That's what I wanted to do when I was right out of high school. It's like, I just want to work at a like cool museum where they have stuff.
1: As long as there's cool stuff, I'm in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We just did um, on Head, Heart, Gut, best kind of museum. And at the end of the day, we were all like, all museums are good, man. <laughs> that, that's, that's true. That's at the end of the day. There was a winner, but uh, also they're all good.
2: We all win when there's museums and public
0: Aww. history, so. So true. Well, Emma says, I'm not in the museum proper, but rather working with the collections behind the scenes. The work I'm doing, DBH, not very exciting. I mainly register the information about the collection into our database, and so I mostly am sitting in an office in front of a computer. I mainly work with small invertebrates. I actually started listening to your podcast right when I got this job about two years back. Since I work with a boring Excel sheet, listening to podcasts is a good way to make my work more enjoyable. But sometimes I have to go down into the wet collections, (laughs) either to get unregistered items or to refill alcohol in the already registered objects. (laughs) The wet collection is basically animals in jars filled with 85% ethanol. The wet collection is in the cellar, and it's just as creepy as you might imagine. Mm, Just with the name Wet Collection, it does really evoke that imagery. I opened this email figuring it's probably going to be a winner, but when I got to the phrase Wet Collection, I said, "Uh uh-huh, nope, this one's going in the show. There it is. The building is quite old, probably from the 1700s. As it's been renovated several times, it isn't very noticeable unless you go down into the basement just how old it is. And believe it or not, it was actually a brewery in the beginning. So the cellar is large and has a domed roof. so cool. It also doubles as a bunker since it's at least 10 meters below ground and dug into the bedrock.
2: Yes.
0: This is truly hitting every aspect of the spirits bingo card. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are two ways to get into the cellar. The way I take is a set of stone stairs spiraling down to a locked fire door. Classic if you decide to go down there after hours or during the weekends, an alarm will go off and security will escort you out. (laughs) That's
2: someone who has (laughs) spoken
0: from experience. Yeah, Emma, you're also correctly guessing that I'm already trying to like calculate what state your your place might be in because I desperately want to visit. Well, if they're doing it in Celsius, I'm
2: assuming maybe they're British. It's It's probably not in the US. Yeah, especially if they're like, the building was built in the
0: 1700s. I'm like, we weren't doing that back then. Not really. Yeah. The other way to get down there is is used only for the collection material. It's an extremely old elevator that has a tendency to get stuck. My boss told me never to take it unless I have my phone with me and have seen that it works that day already, but I tend to use it only for the material and not myself for this reason. Smart.
1: This brings up a lot of questions. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess it brings up one question. You have to confirm that the elevator is already working, which means someone has to in the coal mine this elevator. Every day. That's correct.
2: No, because she was saying like she sometimes only sends down the collections Mm, and not herself. So if she sends it down and then it's not there when she gets downstairs herself, then that means it is broken.
0: Oh, I didn't even picture that. I thought Emma meant that she only takes it when she has to like take something down. But Julia, just putting the stuff in there is is totally smart because then yeah. if it's stuck, OK, you know, like someone can figure it out later. You call a guy to fix it and it's not you that's stuck in the elevator. Also, she said elevator, so I'm taking it back. Probably not British. Who can say? We'll we'll ask Emma for some more details um, if she's comfortable sharing because right. I desperately want to visit this place. <laughs> yeah, me too. My boss also told me to always bring my phone down to the cellar every single time I go and never to stay there their past office hours, since if I for some reason do get stuck, if the door jams or something else, nobody would hear my screams for help that far down.
2: Well, if it's past hours, could she not use the fire door to emergency exit allow people to know that she's down there,
0: maybe? Well, Julia, the phone reception is really bad down there, but in some places you can get reception. And there is an emergency exit, but I've thankfully never had to use it. It's a small chute with a ladder going up and looks like a manhole. The opening apparently is somewhere on the street, but I don't know if anyone's used it in the last 50 years. Apparently. They paved over that. Someone paved over it. It doesn't work. Yep. Mm -mm. So what does the cellar look like, you might be wondering? When you get down, the automatic lights flicker on and you see a large, bricked, domed corridor. I'm getting real Erdstall vibes. Mm -hmm. On one side are several heavy doors leading into large rooms filled with shelves. The shelves are, of course, filled with jars that are in turn filled with preserved specimens. There are three rooms in total. One has mostly fish with marine invertebrates as well, such as giant squid. And then there's a Latin name. Not going to try it.
1: Squidius maximus.
0: (laughs) In what looks like a large freezer box. It's Archeteuthis ducks. Sure. Uh, that was my favorite character in the Artemis Fowl book. <laughs> <laughs> the second room has mainly small mammals and reptiles with some birds as well. And in the back are some whale fetuses. Ooh. The third might not seem as quite as exciting. It contains mostly freshwater invertebrates. Here are usually smaller jars inside of larger ones. Some of the material down there is from the age of Linnaeus around the 1800s. The older jars aren't filled with alcohol, but instead formaldehyde. The walls of the cellar are mainly dry, with some damp spots that might have black mold, or sometimes even stalactites that have started growing. Hold on... In a building? In a building. Wow. Because, I mean, it's like, it's in the bedrock, right? It's basically a cave. Right. It is
2: stone. Yeah. That's wild, though. That They have to, serious water problems if stalactites are forming. That's bad.
0: Yeah. I'm going to ask Emma for some photos if we're able to share any. They'll be on the Instagram. I don't want to also get her in trouble at work, but like, damn, I want to know about this place. Yes, please. While working with the freshwater invertebrate collection, I found some jars were infested with mold, which I found really weird since we preserve the animals with at least 85% ethanol and it prevents mold from growing. I don't think anything could grow in that environment, but apparently the mold found a way. (laughs) I've not experienced a lot of creepy stuff while down in the cellar, I must say. I'm unusually comfortable with dark and creepy places. I'll even listen to urban legends episodes down there. Damn it. (laughs) If it weren't for the mold and the damp, I would be completely comfortable working down there all day. But I will tell you a few jump scary things I have experienced. (laughs)
1: Please. All right, here we go.
0: Once when I came down, there was a crate filled with old human skulls in it. Right next to the door. Don't know why they were there. Someone put those there.
1: Both metaphorically and physically don't want to unpack that.
0: <laughs> I don't know why they were put there, but I looked closer and saw they were replicas, probably from the actual museum. Okay, okay were, that, I'm, I'm good. I'm good then. They were partially wrapped in old newspapers, some of which I looked were from the Second World War. A week or so later, the Kratos skulls was gone. What the fuck? Who took
2: it? <laughs> I know they're not real skulls, so it's not as concerning. But right. who was who was just like hanging out with a
0: Kratos skulls from I World know. War II, just I around? Don't know. Maybe it showed up in somebody else's museum job's basement. Maybe, maybe. Another time I was down in the freshwater invertebrate room filling jars with ethanol when I got spooked by an older gentleman coming in through a door I'd never noticed at the back of the room. No!
1: <laughs> this was going to be something I was going to talk about. I feel like this is actually a prohibition era level tunnel that they are using to smuggle spooky, spooky things in and out of because it's got those vibes. That's
0: possible. That's possible. It has a real liminal space vibe. Like maybe all stalls actually open up into the basement of this museum. Have we thought about it? That's, I mean,
2: they have tried to trace all the stalls. and a lot of them are in Europe. I don't know. Well, if this is
0: in Central Europe, uh, maybe so. This could be. Could be. Could be like France or something. We don't know. Well, this gentleman was equally as spooked as I was, not realizing I was down there. He'd come from the neighboring room. But I don't think I ever saw him again. TBH, he was probably an emeritus that was back to take a look at his collected material. He looked to be flesh and blood, so probably not a ghost, but I never saw him again.
2: So there was a door, like a side door that connected the two rooms as opposed to having to go out into the hallway. Yeah. And then go into
0: the next room. Okay. Right. And if he was like a previous employee or collector or, don- or donor, like that, that's Emma's guess. Um, But she didn't. She never saw him again. Was <laughs> yes, he was a donor. He was part. Oh no! I think the important question for Emma there is, have you seen that door since? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a real that's a real good question. That's. The final scare I've gotten down there is when I've been in the room for long periods of time, like between two and four hours, and the automatic lights turn off. Classic. I keep the door to the corridor open so there is a smaller chance of me getting stuck down there, because I don't want the door to get jammed shut and close me in with the ethanol fumes. Very smart. Sometimes I would get spooked by the automatic lights turning back on in the corridor. Most of the time I would think nothing of it, but sometimes I do look out into the corridor to see if anybody had come down, and I've almost never seen another person so what turns the lights on i couldn't really say i hope you enjoyed my tales from the crypt best wishes from future creepy ghost emma
2: i feel like it's probably like mice or rats let's be honest here because
0: this this is
2: this is not like a sterile facility really we're having stalactites in the corner there's dripping happening there's mold happening there's probably like rats
0: maybe but like what would they they're not gonna eat anything like it's just jars of ethanol, you know?
2: But they could like
1: just be hanging out there. Yeah. Little, so. little little rat party.
0: Little rat party. So. Well, gotta say, I have a million questions, enjoyed the hell out of that. It's a spirits job. It's a follow-up. It's a creepy urban legend. Couldn't enjoy it more. Love that for us. Truly.
2: I would love to go next. Would you guys like more of a folklory one or would you guys like the spooky spooky one?
1: Now is the folklory one about Hugh Laurie?
0: No, it's not.
1: Okay. But the other
0: one. The other one? The spooky, spooky one? Yeah. All right. Julia, we're in the sub-basement with the stalactites. Like, I gotta have
2: it. Might as well stay there. Well, I have an email from Hannah titled, Little Girl, Ladybugs, and Addicts.
1: Okay. Not, like, inherently spooky because of the ladybugs part, but the other things I'm yeah. I'm concerned with.
0: I will say ladybugs will often land on my arms thinking that my tattoos are real flowers, which is adorable, does make me feel like a fay and is kind of spooky. So I'm in the right mindset. I'm I'm ready to hear this one.
2: Also, it's supposed to be good luck. Ladybug landing yes. on you.
0: supposed to be good luck. It is fairly frequent, such that I'll look down and be like, ah, yes, a ladybug. Like, I, it's just, it makes me feel like I'm covered in sugar syrup or something. I, I don't know.
2: I love it for you and a true testament to how good your tattoo artist is. So Hannah writes, hello spirits, my name is Hannah and I have been an active listener since 2019 and I've always wanted to write in, but I have so many creepy cool stories it's hard to pin down which one to tell. I figured I would just tell the story of the time that I was being haunted by a little girl. To start as an adult, now I identify as a spiritual empath, and my friend, who is a medium, says that I have to get into light work, but that's a whole new project. So, when I was younger, like seven or eight years old, my mother got married to my stepdad and they bought their first house. I was so thrilled because this meant the constant moving every two to three years would stop and we could create a home that was all ours. The house was set up really strangely. There was only one room on the main floor of the house and the attic was converted into two bedrooms. The room downstairs was definitely the smallest, so I chose one of the rooms upstairs. My seven-year-old brain thought that this was the best because there was a little door that when you crawled through it opened up to a normal height but very narrow room. Okay. 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 I thought it was... So cool. My stepdad even attempted to put my bed in there to create a little bed dome, which is very funny, but not even a twin size bed would fit in it. I ended up keeping my out of season clothes and other old toys in there.
0: So if we could cul-de-sac for a minute, let's like pull off the main road into this little cul-de-sac closet corner. Schneider, you have just completed an adorable home project, turning an extraordinarily shallow closet into instead like built in bookshelf, basically. Yes. The fuck would you do with an extremely long narrow? closet
1: i don't know i mean like narrow so it's narrower than a twin bed so so quite narrow i don't know what you would do with that i mean i feel like even like closed doors would be tricky because you could only really put like a shelf on one wall because you're really yeah kind of i mean i would just put boxes i'm never going to need towards the back and slowly fill it up with boxes that are more and more urgently possibly needed.
2: I just had a brain blast of a story that I have to share with you guys. Brain blast. I saw you have
1: it and it was intense.
2: This story reminds me of this thing. And so I'm just going to very quickly tell it. Uh, My husband and I are currently looking for homes. And so we've been going and visiting a lot of empty homes. And we went to one recently where it was very spacious. There was a lot of space upstairs, but like the whole front half of the house was basically like crawl space, including a closet that wasn't a closet off of the bathroom and i stepped into this closet i was like oh this seems kind of deep and i stepped like two steps into it and it like opened up into this big area and i was like huh and there was a dresser there in that area Mm -mm. and like a bunch of matches on the floor Mm -mm. and i was like nope (laughs) huh and there was this little tin box sitting on the dresser i was like kind of rusted over i was like huh And so naturally, don't (laughs) open the fairy box, Julia. You do this for a living. (laughs) Naturally, I opened the box up. See,
1: Amanda's taking a different thing. And much like Amanda and me, this is where both of our minds go. Amanda would go to fairy box and I would go to, you have clearly entered a 90s era LucasArts adventure game. (laughs) Gotta click on it. I'm with you. I think you need to pick up the item because the, the thing that will let you unlock the door to the secrets is inside of that
2: tin. Would you like to get Guess what was actually inside of the box?
1: The skeleton of a gecko.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to say that that's right, but sure. Amanda? nickels. Wasn't nickels. It was edible gummies. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to take this because they are just open edible gummies that I found inside of a house. But you guys left these here. <laughs> it's probably where they kept their stash. I opened it up. I'm like, sure, okay. And then closed it back up again <laughs> and left that bathroom. There we go. Wow. Probably not weed edibles in this closet though from Hannah's story so I started getting creeped out by the door when it would, you know, open by itself and it was an old house, so it was already pretty hard to get open. Like the door would be jammed if you really wanted to open it, but then it would open by itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I moved my bed in front of the door because I was reorganizing my room and thought it was a good idea. When I came home from school the next day, my room was put back to how I had had it before and the door was open. I asked my mom if she had moved my bed back and she said, no. what? So creeped out by the door, I said, fuck that as a seven-year-old, you know, classically. So I thought more logically, let's put my dresser in front of the door. I thought there was no way that it could move my dresser, but oh boy, was I wrong. I was awoken that night by the sound of the door opening, a sound that I had been woken up to many times before that. I ignored it, forcing my eyes to stay shut when I felt something fly by my nose. What? A bat? I got so cold, like a cold where it feels like a bunch of tiny pins were all over your body. So I opened my eyes so that I could find another blanket. The problem was I was not cold. I was covered in ladybugs. Oh. No. Hundreds of ladybugs flew around me and were crawling on me. I screamed and I shut my eyes again and waited for my parents to come in. They rushed into my room to see what was wrong and the ladybugs were gone. I swear there had been a hundred ladybugs in my room. And my mom said that it was just a bad dream. Dream bugs. So when I woke up, I shut the little door and I pushed my dresser back against the wall. And my stepfather said, we'll pick up caulk and put it in the cracks in the windows to make sure there are no bugs getting in, like trying to comfort me. I also asked him if we could get a hook eye lock for the little door and he agreed, which, you know, makes sense. Put a, put a lock on that. Maybe it'll stop opening. Sure. Logic. That night, I heard the TV turn on downstairs, and I assumed it was my parents, so I went downstairs to ask them to turn it down, but they were asleep in their bed. I turned off the TV and then heard the water in the bathroom go off. Both the sink and the shower water had turned on. So I turned them off, and when I exited the bathroom, there was a little girl in a white gown and hair that was straight black sitting at my kitchen table.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Safe to say I was scared shitless, especially the fact that I don't remember any details for a face. I ran up to my room and locked my door and hid under my blanket until my mom came to get me for school the next morning. I didn't tell anyone because I knew that they didn't believe me about the ladybugs, so I just never left my room at night. And it says here in parentheses, I know Julia is probably saying, your room is not any better. <laughs> I know, but I was like eight, which like, your room was not any better. yeah. It's not the safe zone. The ladybugs (laughs) in the door are there. Anyways, for about a year, I got used to never leaving my room at night, and I did eventually tell my mom. I think she laughed it off as me being a creepy kid. I finally got some sort of relief when we moved a couple years later. However, about two years ago, I found out the reason why we moved. (gasps) Apparently... One of my mom's piano students had asked who the little girl was because someone peeked in the piano room and it didn't look like me. (gasps) She continued to say that there was a man and a little girl.
0: Wow. For once, the family fucking moves. Thank Mm
2: -hmm. you. Now, even though I don't think I experienced anything with the man, my mom was freaked out. So my parents sold the house and we moved a couple months later. Thanks for reading my story. Stay creepy. Stay cool. Hannah. Hey, good job, Hannah's mom. Good job, Hannah's mom. Should have believed Hannah in the first place. Wow. I like that it's like, I'm not going to believe my flesh and blood, my child. But when a child that is here in my home to play <laughs> piano says something, immediately going to assume that it's got to be true. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. Oh, God. Just the idea of like hundreds of ladybugs on your skin. Terrible. Hate that. Yeah. Good, good pick though, Julia. Thank you to get the taste of ladybug i guess out of my mouth i think we're going to go ahead and grab a refill i
1: mean maybe just a fresh pour altogether yeah. i don't want a refill of that this <laughs> is
0: we are sponsored this week by Milk Bar. And if, like me, you are trying to sort of like contribute less to consumerism in the world, maybe you are trying to rely on experiences or just, you know, edibles for the holidays, for your holiday gifts this year, trust me, no one will be mad <laughs> if you order them epic treat from Milk Bar as a holiday gift. This is, of course, the bakery chain started by Christina Tosi, who you may know from Netflix or just like the food press over the last 15 years. And they make wonderful gifts that you can send to just about anybody. They have a birthday cake that is absolutely gorgeous. They really pioneered a lot of baking trends that you'll see now, including the thing where like the sides of the cake are kind of like not frosted. They call it nude. Their birthday cake is like that. They have a compost cookie, which I absolutely love. They have milk bar pie, which has a toasted oat crust and a very gooey, delicious filling. And you do not want to sleep on the pumpkin milk bar pie and apple cider donut cake. Absolutely delicious. They have fast, even overnight, nationwide delivery here in the U.S. and they are very, very well packaged so that you can make sure that your treats are going to arrive well. We got a cake from them and it was not my birthday, but gosh, it felt like it. It was so delicious. Right now, Milk Bar has a special limited time offer. You can get $10 off any order of $50 or more when you go to MilkBarStore.com spirits. You'll get 10 bucks off an order of $50 or more by going to MilkBarStore.com spirits. MilkBarStore.com spirits. Speaking of the holidays, I know that I always want to make sure that I am showing up stylishly but queerly to all of the festivities that I go to, and it is absolutely crucial for me, and I know that whenever I wear my Wild Fang apparel, I am going to show up feeling and looking really good. I have one pair of essential overalls from them, and this past weekend, I went ahead and bought myself two more pairs and two more colors because I love them that much. Wild Fang is clothing that is very queer. It has... It has suits. It has tailored shirts. It has jumpsuits and accessories and full like floral floor to ceiling suiting. Like it is absolutely gorgeous. And they are made for people of all genders, all body types. Uh, Specifically for those of us with boobs, it can be really hard to find suiting that is fitting your body well. that doesn't have like a like a boob gap where like the button pulls where your bra is or is just meant to fit your body specifically. And Wild Fang is the closest I've ever found to stuff that I feel absolutely amazing in 100% of the time. And very kindly, they're actually offering us a discount code as well. So you can get $20 off a purchase of $100 or more by using the code SPIRITS20 at wildfang.com. If you want to support small businesses, queer owned businesses, and other folks this holiday season, this is a great one to look at. So again, go to wildfang.com and you can use the code SPIRITS20 for $20 off a purchase of $100 or more. Thank you, Wildfang. Truly honored to be working with you. And finally, we are sponsored by Skillshare. This is an online learning community that's offering our listeners a free trial of premium membership. If you find creating fun, if you want to pick up new hobbies just for yourself, or if like me, you are trying to... Hand make some more gifts this year. I uh, used to do origami as a kid. It was one of my favorite hobbies, and I would make like these big spiky balls and swans and all kinds of stuff. And this year, I'm making a bunch of my siblings origami for their new apartments and homes. And I was brushing up on my skills using a Skillshare class by Kunal Kadam titled How to Make Flowers with Origami. One year, my grandma and I decorated a Christmas tree entirely with origami, and it is lovely. It is meditative, it kind of is a thing you can do with your hands hands while you watch TV or listen to a podcast. Wink, wink. So if you want to get into a hobby like me or brush up on a craft or just watch beautiful videos and let them inspire you, you got to check out Skillshare. Go to Skillshare.com spirits where our listeners get a one month free trial of premium membership. That's one month free at Skillshare.com spirits. And now let's get back to the show. Guys, as always, we are highlighting uh, craft beers and ciders and and distillers and, and stuff that we are drinking um, in our hometowns. And I have a fresh batch of one of my favorite whiskeys ever. This is Black Fly Whiskey from Keene, New York. We get it once a year at a farmer's market in Ausable. I forget the exact town in the Adirondacks and Black Fly is incredible. They have a maple whiskey that normally I don't go for a flavored whiskey, but we got one regular and one maple. And I typically will mix them. I'll do a half and a half over like a classy, I got those big ice cubes now, those big square ones. And that is all I need um, to, to stay toasty on a nice winter's day. That sounds incredible.
2: I have been more into pumpkin beers this year, I feel like, than I usually am, because usually I'm not a huge pumpkin, pumpkin spice flavor person. But Blue Point Brewery usually has the Mother Pumpkin beer, which I really like. I find it very enjoyable. But this year, they've been doing this like Imperial series where they're doing a bunch of like boozier versions of beers that they already do. Mm. So Jake and I have been picking up like four packs of the Big Mother Pumpkin, which is a basically like an Imperial spiced pumpkin ale. And it is like 9% and it is so good it's got like kind of like a graham crackery base there and then it's got all those
0: like roasted subtle autumn spices i love it so much okay but if you could please pick me up a four pack and paypal me i would love some of that
2: absolutely they also in case you're interested have these bourbon barrel aged big mother pumpkin which are smaller cans but also 14 percent or something like that so if you want those you just let me know yeah that sounds great. Yes, I will pick you up some next time we're out there. I recently tried Pumpkin
1: again for the first time in a few years. Yes. And you know what? Stuff still slaps. Like it was like still one of good. the first big pumpkin beers yeah. and then like everyone made them. But like, you know what? It's still good. It's still good.
2: I remember the first autumn that we spent at the Harold, Amanda. Yeah. That was the one that bartender Matt always recommended. He's like the Pumpkin. It's like impossible to get, but everyone loves it. I'm like, so every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I got to get some Pumpkin. The f-
0: first time I visited Schneider and friends in Cleveland, we went on a little punking finding mission and got it. And it was delicious.
1: It used to be hard to find. I completely forgot that it used to be hard to find. Now it's like so such a staple.
2: They finally ramped up production. So now everyone can get it. Mm -hmm.
1: My recommendation is going to be the polar opposite of of Julia's almost because I'm saying, you know what? It's Christmas beer time, everybody. Oh, yeah. I think it is. Once it gets frosty, I think that there is some excellent overlap time for Christmas beer and pumpkin beer and Oktoberfest beer, I think now's that time. And I recently uh, have had a few different samplings. Uh, Shiner down in Texas makes a really good one that's probably available anywhere. And it's got like peaches in it, so it's like a very different Christmas beer. It's a lighter, -er fruitier Christmas beer. And then, I mean, wrapping Cleveland, I think you can get this in a lot of places. You can get the Great Lakes Christmas Ale, which is like one of the original big Christmas ales. So that's in a lot of places. So yeah, try some Christmas ales. They're, they're good and they are not all the same anymore like they used to be back in the day.
2: Yeah, there's a lot more variety and I think people are taking more risks with their beer, which I really appreciate.
0: I'm going to go ahead and say it. I know, it's, I know it's bold of me. Shiner makes great beer.
2: They do. They genuinely do. Like there's a reason why they are like a national chain now, so to speak. Good shit. Yeah.
0: Before we get
1: into our next story, I also want to briefly recommend a video game I've been playing. I've been playing oh, the video yeah. game Inscription. Uh, it's got a Y in place of the first I. You can buy it on Steam, and I think other places on PC. I don't think it's anywhere else currently. It is a uh, spooky card game where you're in a cabin playing against a mysterious figure. Uh, the card game's really easy to learn and has some very interesting sacrificing mechanics that are uh, kind of spooky. And then you can get up from the table you are playing the card game at and solve spooky puzzles around the room. And uh, let me just say, this game, you immediately are going to be like, something, something's happening here.
0: Something's going on.
1: (laughs) Just when you start the game up, you cannot hit new game. You have to select continue. Oh. So that in itself is a spooky beginning. Mm. Uh, I will just say this game, it took me about 12 hours to finish. And I don't think a game has ever made me say, what the... fuck is going on more times in this game than uh, any other game. And I was never like confused. I never was frustrated, with it yeah. It was just like, I thought I knew and now I don't know. And I'm excited to know again at some point down the line.
0: That's a really, really helpful way to describe it because I would feel like I was missing something and I hate that feeling. But when you're saying like, oh, no, 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 it just kind of drops you in media Res and like you figure it out like that's then I'm along for the ride. Then I know what to expect.
1: Yeah, it's very good. The art is Phenomenal. It's like cool lo-fi 3D. I love
0: it. Ooh, hell yeah. I'm going to download this on Steam tonight. That looks dope. This looks so cool. I'm just looking at it now. I know. This looks amazing.
1: But getting back to our spooky stories, I have one from Annalise titled Chicago Suburbs, Whistle Demons, Haunted Leg Hair, and Shadow Birds.
2: I need to know haunted leg hair. I got to hear about this. So Annalise writes...
1: Hello, creepy coolies, which I do like. I do like
2: creepy coolies.
1: I would like to say two things. First, my name is pronounced Annalise, and I am a disaster by...
0: Yay! Yay! Big
1: announcement up front. Pronunciation, Our favorite people. Exactly knowing the type of person we're reading the story from. <laughs>
0: Incredible. These are my pronouns. This is my queer archetype. This is how you say my name. What more do I need to know? Like, thank you. For
1: new age sex location. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many things I would like to write to you about including my ghostly grandma, but today I'm going to stick just to where I work. I'm a nanny in the Chicagoland area, unfortunately. (laughs) I am doing it so I can support myself through school, and once I graduate, I am getting out of this place.
0: That sounds very spooky. Do it, yep.
1: The eldest child I nanny, constantly whistles indoors. Oh my uh, gosh, we had a coworker at my last job that, we, well, an intern actually, that whistled and no one knew how to be like, you gotta stop whistling. And we just all put <laughs> up with it. And then we
2: hired
0: them. It was terrible. What? Eric, why would you do that? That's the most Midwestern thing I've ever heard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so my grandma always whistles because someone in her youth told her that whistling means that you're happy. So she whistles all the time oh, to let us no. know that she's happy. Oh shit. But also I know that in certain cultures, like whistling is a, either like, a way of bringing around the devil or a way of like releasing your soul so they encourage you not to do that. Great.
0: I mean, I've only really encountered whistling with like my mom who is a professional lifeguard at work where there are like specific whistles and if people are whistling on the beach, she'll look at them and be like, the fuck are you doing? I have to whistle in order to get people's attention to save your life or horror movie trailers. And so I heard someone whistling down the hallway at work the other day and it's like an S shaped hallway so you can't see the end when you're at my end of it. And I'm just like, fuck can stop. Like, this is very creepy. I'm sorry. This is, a, this is an anti-whistle take that I'm airing right now, but
2: like, I stand by it. Yeah. I like a whistle personally. I like to whistle sometimes. Not all
0: the time and not when I'm around people. I'm just jealous I can't. I'm just jealous I can't. You like physically can't whistle? No, I haven't also put the time into learning, but no. Yeah, I,
1: I can't either. And I, I've tried and I've given up. Most people don't need to whistle in any actual circumstances. So I don't feel like I'm, I'm losing anything without having the skill. <sighs>
0: Fine. In the early pandemic hobby bingo card, learning to whistle should have been one of the squares. (laughs) I didn't see any listicles about people who learned to, or like personal essays in the New York Times about learning to whistle during the pandemic, but I'm sure people did. I respect that. Back
1: to Annalisa's story. (laughs) Anyways, I'm not going to learn how to whistle. Fuck you guys.
2: Back to the story.
1: (laughs) I think we've spent enough time talking about Whistlet here. Speak for yourself. So the eldest child that she nannies is whistling indoors. I did not know that was the only sentence we got to with this story before I immediately (laughs) took it off road. I did not know there were superstitions related to whistling indoors until I saw a TikTok about it. The whistling would annoy the absolute ever fuck out of me. But now I know that it can actually summon demons.
2: That's what I said.
1: My experiences in this McMansion make much more sense now. There are nights when I have to sleep over because one of the kids has a late ass practice every Thursday. And one of these Thursday nights, I was terrified falling asleep, tossing and turning, tossing and turning. Then I felt the bed shake, a shaking bed. My bed shook. Something was shaking my bed. Uh-oh. Absolutely terrified. I turned on some Love Island UK, which yep, just like, yep. let's let's sure, immediately sure. not investigate. I love this Love Island. Here we go.
0: Again, we we all know that I'm I'm not team ignorant, but I do love the absolute tonal opposite of a haunting is Love Island UK. So great selection. Checks out.
1: I was eventually able to fall back asleep. Did I look around with my phone flashlight? Yes. Did I leave my phone flashlight on for the rest of the night? Also, yes. I don't care, Eric. I'm scared of the dark. I'm 24. (laughs) Yes, we exist. Look, the dark is scary. I'm making no judgments about being scared of the dark. I'm just saying if it's dark and something might be out there, you don't got to look at it. You don't got to look. But the dark Mm -hmm. is scary.
2: Yes, the dark is scary.
1: We're scared of the dark because evolutionarily, it was beneficial to be worried about what you can't see. Yeah. It's perfectly logical why people are scared of the dark.
0: Yeah. Our little animal brains, they know what's best. That's what I try to say to my anxiety. I'm like, thanks. Thanks for looking out for me. Thanks for thinking about that. Let's just, uh, let's pull that back quite a bit. Let's let's work on that.
2: Yeah. You're like, typically I no longer have to think about, you know, predators that are
0: going to eat me. So yeah, just calm down a little bit. Like an overeager intern. I'm like, great instinct, great effort. Let's pull that back about 45%. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Can you coach my anxiety too, Amanda? That would be nice. I know. We can coach each other's anxiety. Cool. This
1: occurrence just sucks major butt crack because my partner <laughs> slept over at my place and said he felt the shaking too. Oh, And no. then he said there might be something trying to get after me.
2: No. Why would you say that? Hold on. My first instinct, if my bed started shaking, is not some demon is trying to get me. Mine would be, first logical assumption, maybe someone's washer dryer in my building is kind of going off the rails and shaking things. Fine. Worst case scenario in my mind immediately would be earthquake. Sure. Right? Like, I know it's Chicago and they don't get a lot of earthquakes. It's not like this is California, but... My instinct would be, oh, my bed is shaking. Probably something's going on, not demonic forces. Certainly not demonic forces.
0: Am I alone in this? No, I mean, living in the city, you know, I have lived in buildings that were over the subway and you feel the subway at theaters or restaurants, like that's just a thing. And particularly on this coast, it's not an earthquake, probably. I would not go the demon route. I do think this prompts a really interesting relationship advice question, which is, if you think... That might be something demonic. Do you say that to your partner? When do you say it? And when do you just kind of like think the suspicion?
1: You don't want to wait too long. Like you don't, you don't want, to want to wait too until long. you do have visual evidence. Because once you once you can identify there is literally a demon yeah. here, you've you've waited far too long. So you've got to find the middle ground between the first moment and oh no, the demon is here with
2: us. I think this harkens back to the fact that I watched all of the paranormal activities in October. Yeah. And 90% of those films is like, there's a demon here. And usually it is the man not believing the woman that there is in fact a demon there. And it goes on and on until like she's fully possessed. She's like, oh, I believe you now and now I'm dead. I do think though, there is a middle ground where it's like, oh, you say that there's a demon. I'm going to immediately assume that you're correct. And then there's also like, I'm not going to believe you until I literally see this demon right in front of me. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think it is definitely a matter of timing between the first thought, which is, hmm, could be demonic. And oh, yes, honey, for months I have been secretly worrying that there's a demon coming after you.
2: I have to also be like, if that was the first time he experienced the bed shaking, again, my initial thought would never be demon. And I ser- even if it was, I certainly wouldn't say that out loud to my partner.
0: Yeah. Though maybe you have like a, a quite a trusting relationship where you talk about demons. And like I'm glad that he felt safe to say that, but also maybe don't don't open with that. Yes. Don't don't go there right away.
2: I feel like I would have follow up questions before I was like, definitely a demon. Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, so have you been experiencing like scratches on your arms and legs? Have you been waking up in the three hour every morning? Like that kind of thing. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Back to Annalise and and her her boyfriend who's just immediately going a demon. So back to the story, the boyfriend has suggested something is trying to get after her. Is this The Conjuring? Has an evil whistle demon attached itself to me? I had been extremely depressed this last month, so it was a fair statement. And I had not been putting out good vibes for quite some time. Mm. I'm working on correcting this with my therapist and psychiatrist. I'm trying hard to take care of myself, but I just can't keep it up. Even if you have mental health care, it's a lot of work. Mm. You got to try though, otherwise you won't be able to pay the bills. The next weird thing that happened to me in this McMansion was fine. I was chilling on the couch and noticed my leg hair was twisting around. What? This is the spooky leg hair. Oh, no. Twisty, twirly, squirrely, whirly. I was (laughs) like, LMFAO, what the fuck? Yeah. It literally looked and felt like something was twisting my leg hair. It was not a goosebump situation. It was about 90 degrees outside and the AC was set to 77. So not a temperature thing. There could be some nerve brain science that would explain it, but I would still like to believe my leg hair is haunted.
2: If someone is twisting your leg hair, that would not be a root problem. That is a outside force. Or like the most Buckwild air currents. Yeah. Ever.
1: Real wilder.
2: Like very tiny little like dust devil twisters. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Th- I bet that's it. Little tiny. Yeah,
2: clearly that's <laughs> it. That's the most logical assumption Those here. Those happen
1: a lot inside in the Chicagoland area. <laughs> <I've>...
0: <laughs> While the AC is on shore, sure. I don't even know what to make of that. And I kind of don't want to dwell on it. <laughs> You're like, move on, move on, please move on.
1: <laughs> this next story is just, and then she's written four question marks. So who knows what <laughs> we're about to get on this one. I was not. In the McMansion this time, I was in the middle school carpool lane to pick up a kid. The road to the school runs between the high school and the middle school. While I was waiting, I saw a shadow moving around. It was the dark space underneath the bleachers flailing around like a bird's wing, but also a pinwheel. Very spooky kind of shadow movement going on Mm -hmm. right there. Mm The high school did not have school that day in observance of Indigenous Peoples Day. No practices, no nothing. It was very creepy and cool, and I'm pretty sure I was the only person in the carpool line that saw the strange shadow.
2: Well, did you check with the other carpool? Open your window up. Did everyone see that shadow?
1: This email is long, and I am not sorry. I love the podcast. I think you are all so smart, creepy, and cool. Oxford, Cotton Ca- now, now we're going to get into some hot takes here, so just let's just let's. Get through them. Oxford commas are appropriate and grammatically correct. The AP style book can suck my ass. Then again, grammar is fake. Love you all so much, Annalise.
2: I'm a big
0: Oxford comma fan, so we're fine there. I endorse it all. Yeah, my brain loves to get confused when there's not one, so I'm, I'm off for the clarity.
1: Thank you for all of your all of your different stories in this email, Anna.
0: I
2: want us to take a second here, yes, and I would like us to kind of, if this was a horror movie, give me the summary of what is happening here. From like a full perspective rather than just Annalise's perspective.
1: Mm. Would you like me to start? Yeah, you seem to have something ready.
2: So to me, it seems like this McMansion perhaps haunted or Mm -hmm. child somehow did like a Ouija board thing or some whistling or something that then summoned a demonic presence that latched itself onto this child. Now, what Annalise is experiencing most likely is like either this spirit trying to get in with her instead because like oh, I've I've attached myself to a seven year old I can't do anything in the body of a seven year old let me attach myself to a twenty four year old <laughs> much easier that makes sense
1: yeah I mean I I yeah I mean maybe I mean it's Chicagoland. land it, the whole dang town could be kind of spooky mm-hmm. I feel like there could be like a bigger thing happening
0: yeah. I want to put out there that maybe there is some kind of house spirit that isn't into the kind of like bourgeois class situation that they've been trapped within. And they're like, the fuck am I doing in a McMansion? So they are reaching out to a compatriot and being like, hey, you're not rich. Help. Slash, I'm also here. And so maybe it's more of a knowing glance exchanged between servers at a restaurant where there's that one table that's just like, you know, they're dicks. And you're just like, "Mm "Hmm." all of us are going to acknowledge that this is happening and not say anything and just look at each other in the break room and be like, yeah, I think that's the vibe I'm getting. Okay, All right. Cool. Into that. So not cursed. More like. Yep, we're all struggling under capitalism together. I just like that your assumption is proletariat ghost. Yeah,
1: exactly. I like it. I think it makes a lot of sense.
2: Okay, cool, cool, cool.
0: Well, guys, we've learned so much about our listeners' jobs in this installment, which is always my very favorite kind of thing to do. So, I mean, pretty great Earth Legend, I would say. Pretty good, pretty good.
1: All in all, very exciting stuff. Very spooky. Very, stuff. spooky. very spooky stuff for, for, for this December
2: episode. Listen if we can't be spooky in the darkest of months then why be spooky at all
0: totally i mean i am also going to remember just to like constantly bring my cell phone with me because (laughs) i can get trapped at any time at work so so invest in some legging with pockets and remember everybody stay creepy stay cool Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye.